morning. Welcome to Friend Sunday. I, I found out a few months ago that I'd be speaking on Friend Sunday. I was really excited about it, but every time I hear about Friend Sunday, I think back to a childhood memory, and you guys know I have a lot of them. Uh, crazy childhood. But my dad is a pastor, or was a pastor, still is a pastor, but was a pastor in a small church in Hoyt, Kansas. So I grew up in a town of about 600 people. And he's a pastor of that First Baptist Church of Hoyt there. And so we were going to have a Friend Sunday. And so two, three weeks before this, he told the church that if they could hit this number of people for that church that, that Sunday, for Friend Sunday, that he'd speak the following Sunday from the roof of the church. So they had two weeks, and, and this was really this far-fetched number that was never going to happen, right? Never going to happen. That's why he could throw it out there, but he wanted to give, you know, beyond the, the motivation that should have been there, just some extra incentive for those who might want to see my dad up on a roof. So sure enough, two weeks later, Friends Sunday, we open up the doors, you know, and it looks like there's a few more people coming in than we, we would have thought, and then the numbers keep growing, keep growing, and my dad tells me that he started getting a little nervous, uh, excited to see lots of people, but started getting nervous because it looked pretty darn close to the number that he was he, he had set out there for him to have to speak from the top of the church. So sure enough, they did a count, and by the end of his message, a deacon had come up and said, they hit the number by two people. <laughs> so two weeks later, sure enough, and, and Termisha, you have that picture? Can you throw it up there? Sure enough, there's my dad. If you can make him out at the top of that, right there, and the congregation out there, and Believe it or not, we had more people for that than we did for the Friends Sunday. Uh, so, you know, the problem was, after they came here, it was kind of, uh, it didn't have the effect that we were looking for, because they realized the pastor was crazy, so we didn't get very many people back after that. So, uh, Nobody's going to preach on the top of a school or a, a, a church anytime soon for us, but... We're glad that you guys are here. If you're a new face, uh, we welcome you. If you're wondering how in the world did I get tricked into being here this morning, uh, that's not what we're trying to do. What we're excited about and what, what we want you to know if you're a visitor is that we're not here to impose our beliefs on you. We're not here to try to manipulate your own thoughts and your own feelings about things. What we want to show you is the most important thing in our lives, and that's our relationship with Christ. That's why we have these Friends Sundays, because we love the people around us. And if they're the people around us that we love, we want them to be a part of the things we love. And the most important thing in our life is our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we do these things. That's why we want to reach Johnston and Grimes and Urbandale and Des Moines and Ankeny and the surrounding areas, because we want everyone around to know who is our Savior and this love that he has for us. And that's what we're excited about. No motivation to preach on a roof or anything like that. It's truly just to show you Christ. And so we're glad that you could be here. Uh, and we're going to bring you up to speed on what we've been talking about these last few weeks. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians. If you don't have a Bible, uh, but you have a smartphone, there's a great app called YouVersion. You can download that, it probably takes two minutes, and you can have any version of the Bible you want right there in about two minutes. So if you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab a U version off your, off your, off your smartphone. 
Philippians chapter 2. And a little background to this is Paul writing this, this letter to the church, the Christians in Philippi. And as has been stated in the last few weeks, he's actually writing this letter from a, a prison in Rome. And it's more of a thank you letter because this church had been gracious to Paul and had been, they'd been able to send him a gift. And so he wanted to write them, thank them for this gift, and just encourage them. And, and in the reality, and that's what we keep bringing up, is that he's, he's writing from prison encouraging other people in their walk with God, this other church. And, and prison, as you view it today, is not, it's not much like it was back 2,000 years ago. Uh, maybe prison, it's not appealing to me, but I think they do have some workout facilities and you do have a bed and different things now. Whereas back in the day, it was probably going to be a dirt ground with some rats around. and It wasn't a pleasant place to be. And he's there in the dirt behind bars, and he's challenging this church. And this message this morning, it's probably an easy one to talk about. It's an easy one that we can understand, we can connect with, but a lot harder to follow through with in our own lives. School's back in session. Maybe God's calling us? He said you shouldn't have shared that story about your dad. <laughs> anyway, this message is, well, let's just start with the, the chapter and the verses. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." So again, the, the message is going to be really easy this morning. I don't need to do a lot of talking. That may surprise you because I like to do a lot of talking, but I don't need to do a lot of talking about this. The message is clear. If we feel this love from God, if we understand that God made the sacrifice for us, that Jesus went to the cross, if we have any comfort from His love, then we need to make His joy complete and not be selfish and look to others as they are more important than, than we are to ourselves. And then it shows us the true example of that. I mean, it's easy. And the reason this is coming up, and the, the reason why I said this is going to be harder for us to put it into practice, because we're selfish people. I talked to, I think it was probably last year or two years ago, and I said, I think our culture is getting more and more selfish. And I think this is one of the root of problems in our churches, in our homes, marriages, in our schools, is that for some reason, our culture is more geared toward me first than looking out for the fellow man. And that's hurting 
so many people around. We've seen so much devastation because of this, this, this problem of selfishness. So it's an easy message. We can connect with that, sure. I can be selfish at times. Uh, but what do I do to change that? Well, the first thing they talk about, you have any comfort from God's love? From being united with Christ? Does that move you at all? Does that change your life on a daily basis? The fact that God sent His Son to the cross to die for us, to take that when we couldn't do it ourselves. Does that comfort you at all? Do you feel that love? Does that move you in any way? I've used this analogy before, but I'm going to use it again. You're downtown Des Moines, and you're walking across the street, and a dart bus comes flying up, and some guy you don't know jumps in front of you, pushes you out of the way, saves your life, gets killed. That changes your life forever. You know that that was going to be you, but some other guy that you didn't know stepped in, took your place, and what you want to do is let his family know and others know. This guy stepped in, took my place. It should change you. The thing is, Jesus Christ did that for me, for us. I mean, we were... It was going to be worse than an instant death. It was going to be an eternal death and separation. Jesus Christ... God saw that need. He sent His Son. Jesus was willing to go to, the earth, to go to earth to die on that cross for us. And then what happened was He raised from the dead. He defeated sin and death. And He gave us an opportunity to call on Him. And now that we have this eternity laid up for us, that's more powerful than a guy jumping in front of a dart bus and saving our lives in downtown Des Moines. That's something that should impact every day of our life. And I can bring it up as many times as I want, and I struggle with it. Because I'm going to wake up tomorrow, and I'm going to get back to work, and I'm going to go back my, uh, about my routine. I'm going to forget that. So that's the first step is, uh, do you have any comfort from God's love, from being united with Christ? Well, then let it move you. Let it change you. Make my joy complete because of what I've done for you. So if we cannot look at the cross, if we can't sit here and sing these songs to God and be moved today, how are we going to be moved on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? And that's the first step. It goes on to say, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. And again, he's talking about unity in the church. Again, what hurts unity in a church probably the most, is selfishness. Because you have individuals, it's obviously, we're, we're sinners in a church. We're not perfect people. And so we're going to make mistakes and we're going to hurt each other. And so he's trying to bring them together and realize that there's one purpose. There's a unity that's a like-mindedness, and that's focusing on Christ and then loving everyone else more than you love yourselves. And if a church can come together and do that, then it can do great things. And so that's what he's trying to challenge them, this, uh, challenge them with. But again, how many churches have we seen? All of us. How many churches have we seen fall apart because of this selfishness gets in the way? Or, or splits? Or people going their separate ways? Doing their own thing because we can't come together? Ultimately, regardless of any agenda that I have, or Kyle has, or Bob has, or Mike has, or... Kara has or Karen has, whoever. We can be like-minded in the fact that our one goal is to bring people to Christ. is to show Him His love. is to live 
every day of our lives for Christ until we're there with Him. So if we can get past all these other things and realize that's the one focus, that's the big goal here, is that we bring people to Christ, that we live for Him daily, that's like-mindedness there. So we shouldn't get caught up on the things that frustrate us on this daily level uh, in the church, but focus on Christ. Focus on bringing others to know Christ. Um, let's move on here. It says, having the same love, this is verse 2, having the same love, being in one, one in spirit and purpose, do nothing, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others, consider others better than yourselves. My wife knows that of all messages, selfishness is probably a, a good one for me to give. Because as Paul has stated in the Bible, he was the chief of sinners. I probably would claim to be the chief of selfish people. Uh, a lot of you guys know our story and our testimony that seven years because of my selfishness, seven years ago, I almost ruined our marriage and our family and everything that we had in my life, my wife's life, my son's life, because of my own selfishness. Because I cared more for my relationship, more than, cared more for myself than my relationship with God, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with those around me. And so what I tried to do is whatever brought me gratification. And that's selfishness. And so when I speak on this, I understand where I'm coming from because I still sometimes feel like that person that wants to put myself number one above everyone else. This selfishness can ruin so many things. I, I had it this week. Obviously, God throws examples in my life uh, on the week that I'm preparing for a message on selfishness. He's going to put me in that situation. And I don't know if many of you guys know what I do for my job, but I work with Randy Nesbitt and Dave Bloom and John Collier, and they have a life insurance business. And we work with Ever Jones Advisors. We help them sell life insurance. And so we had sold life insurance to this 32-year-old single mother in the Lake of the Ozarks. And so this case, this life insurance case, she, she had applied, and it was done, and she's ready to come write her check for a $200,000 life insurance policy. And the policy was there. All she has to do is write a check, and that policy's in force, no matter what happens. And she was coming in this last Monday, and Saturday she was killed in a car accident. Two days before leaving two kids, and this was going to give them an extra $200,000 to take care of things. So obviously, the, the financial advisor that sold her this policy, that I helped sell this policy, he called me and said, hey, talk to your company, see if there's anything they can do for this family. She was two days away from signing this check and having this life insurance policy. What can you do? So I'm sitting here thinking, I don't know what I can do. So I called higher-ups at my company, and I said, I told them the situation, but there was really nothing you can do. It's business. It's by the books. This is how it is. So I had to convey this to this FA, and at first I'm very sympathetic to what is happening, but after a while, as he kept calling me and being frustrated and upset, I stopped thinking of the situation he was in, and I started to think, why am I having to deal with this? Why do I have to call these people? There's nothing I can do. And, and besides that fact, I had another case with this guy going that was a really big case that I'd made good money on, and he's not going to do this with me anymore because he's upset with my company. And I started thinking about all these things and why it affected me. And I forgot 
that ultimately it all came down to a, a mother being killed in a car accident and two kids without a mom and without any, you know, that money to be there to take care of them. So I made it more about me at that point. I didn't even think of the financial advisor who was having to go back to the people he knew and tell them these things. And so I'm clear over here in Des Moines feeling sorry for myself. A wake-up call. But that's what we do. How many things in your life, think of it, how many things of your life that happen on a daily basis that your first reaction is, how's it going to affect me? Not, how's it going to affect my husband or my wife or my mom or my dad or my brother or my sister or my wife or, or my kids? Most of the time, probably most of us, first instinct is to think, how's this going to affect me? We are caught up in the culture of selfishness. And, and it's going to hurt those around you. My wife and I have had a really tough last month because we've been impacted by people on both sides of our family that have made selfish choices that have hurt their own families. So this whole last month we've been doing, actually not me much, my wife's been doing a lot of counseling to the people on both sides of our family, um, trying to help them through this stuff. And we sit back, and, and I can understand it because I've been there, I've made these choices, but people that can truly say, I care about no one else, as much as I care for myself, and this is going to impact them in a great way, and they can look completely past that no matter what and still hurt them. We see it all the time. I believe that the enemy is after marriages in the church. I, I think that's a big place that he's attacking right now. And he has for forever. But right now, I've seen it all over the place that this, the, the enemy is attacking marriages in the church. And Karen and I, Coming from where we've come from, we have a great passion to see marriages succeed. Not just to get by, not just to say, you know, we've got a, an okay thing. But to succeed, to be excited about your marriages, to be excited about serving God as a family, as a married couple. And I think what's going to ruin those things and where Satan hits us is that selfishness. He gets us thinking, you know what, you're more important than that person that's next to you. You're more important than those kids. You're more important than those friends of yours. You need to be looking out for yourself. Because who's looking out for you? Who's serving you? And as soon as we start to believe those lies, we're going to start ruining those relationships that we have. So what does God say? Paul writes in this letter, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And this is verse 4. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. But in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's easy. It's easy to read. It's not easy to do. Is that we should look to others as they're more important than ourselves. The only way we can do that is truly humble ourselves before God. Realize that we were truly nothing without Him. Truly nothing. That everything we are, everything we have, comes from God. And that all we're left with is humbling ourselves before God and looking at every single, other, every single person as better than ourselves. 
I mean, it says, look to their interests more than your own. How many times are you in a conversation where you're just trying to get through it and you're not truly listening to what that person is interested in talking about? It happens in the church, right? We have fellowship time over here with the coffee. How many times are we just coming in here and, hey, how's the day? Good. How was the week? Talk about the weather. And you're just talking to talk. You're not saying, really? So what did you do the other day? Oh, yeah? That, that's too bad. Well, what can I do for you? Truly listening to those things that they're saying. Taking that conversation to another level. Not just having surface talk. Looking out for the interests of others. And that's, that's just the basics. That's not trying to figure out you know, the, the issues of the people in the church or in your family or in the neighborhood around you and trying to go out and, and see what you can do to help them. That's just the easy part. It's just to have a conversation. I know I can, it really for me, where I've got to practice this, it starts in my home with my wife and my kids. And I don't know how many times, as I'm, I'm trying to think of examples, it's pretty easy to think of in my own life, how many times my son is trying to tell me something he's so excited about. And obviously we don't always care about some of those things that our kids are talking about because they could talk about, you know, superheroes forever and love it. And sometimes it's just not interesting. But I don't know how many times that I've been trying to text someone and Colin's right there trying to talk to me. Hey, Dad, just a second. Hey, Dad, let me tell you this. Just a second. And I'm trying to get this text off to somebody that is not near as important to me as my son right there. How many times do we do that to all the people around us, the people we really care about? How many times do I sit down and I truly ask my wife at the end of the day, how was your day? Really, how was it? Did you have a good time alone with God? Is there anything I can do for you? Don't ask her after this message how many times I've done that. <laughs> if we're going to do these things, it starts in our house and then it goes beyond. Because the question is, if we cannot serve the people we love the most on a daily basis, how can we even think about serving anyone else? And you can write that down. If we cannot serve the people we love the most on a daily basis, how can we even think about serving anyone else? That's impossible. So if I can't look at my wife and my kids, or my brother and my sister, or my mom and dad, and see them and want to serve them because I love them, because I want them to be more important to me than I am to myself, if I can't do that, I'm going to struggle. So ultimately, God knows this, right? We talk about these hard messages that we struggle with. We want to take it beyond our families. We want to be able to reach all those around us by, by looking to them more than we look to ourselves. We want to be able to serve them. But ultimately, serving comes with a sacrifice, right? It's giving of ourselves. Some easy, some hard. Maybe just giving time is hard for us. Maybe giving money is hard for us. Maybe having a conversation. Ask my wife. Sometimes she struggles with just having a conversation because she's kind of shy sometimes. And it's hard to engage people in conversation. I know a lot of you feel that way. That sacrifice is doing things that we don't love to do, doing things that affect us. It's not probably serving if, you know, 
it doesn't affect us in one way or another. I mean, there's some service we can do that's pretty exciting and that we love doing, and that's fine. But a lot of the service involves things that we don't like to do. And so ultimately, God knows this. Obviously, He knows we're going to struggle with this. He knows that we're not perfect people. And so what does is, what is Paul write in this letter? He gives us an example. The ultimate example. Turn to verse 5, chapter 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled Himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted Him to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name. That is the name of Jesus. Uh, uh, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth. I, uh, I get a lot of texts from Kyle. Kyle and I text about a lot of things. Most of it not important. Uh, but sometimes I get random texts from him and this week I got two random texts from Kyle. The first one said... Chuck Norris is 72, exclamation point. I don't really know why he said that, but obviously he was just surprised Chuck Norris was that old. The second one I got at about 1045 at night, uh, just a few nights ago, and all it said was, Jesus was willing to become a man and go to the cross. Uh, oh no, Jesus gave up luxury in heaven to walk upon the earth in poverty, that we might join him someday in glory. I'll read it again. Jesus gave up luxury in heaven to walk upon the earth in poverty that we might join him someday in glory. Mark Driscoll. So he sent me that text the other night. And honestly, when I first read it, I didn't know why he was sending it to me. I never, I didn't even respond, I don't think, to you. And we never talked about it. So I think, obviously, it was going along with this message. Is that Jesus... He left heaven. He left a place where he would not have to suffer. That he wouldn't have to become a man like us. He would not have to experience the things we experience. To come to earth to take care of us. To fill the need that we couldn't fill ourselves. That's the ultimate example of sacrifice. Of service. Of looking out for other people more than you look to yourself. Because he could have made the same choice. He became a man. He, he was tempted. He could have made those choices to not do that. But he walked this earth. How many of us, if we could choose just to go to eternity and not have to walk this earth every day sometimes, would go, man, I'd like to go right now. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew that he'd have to come, not only walk this earth, but probably, not probably, he faced more than we would ever have to face. Because He went to the cross for us. He made that ultimate sacrifice for us. That's the ultimate example. So when He truly asks us to do something, He can say, yeah, there's my example. I did this for you. I loved you so much that I went to the cross. That I took all of this pain, all of this hurt, the weight of the world, literally on my shoulders for you. Back to the beginning, are you not moved by this? 
you have no comfort from his love. There's the example. We're getting ready to take the bread and the cup, and that's an, op- that's an opportunity for us to look at that. To look at that example of, of service and see what Christ did for us. And see if that moves you. If you truly believe that. If you don't believe that, if you don't know if you believe that, I encourage you to talk to somebody right away. We've got elders and deacons and lots of people in here that you can talk to. But if you don't know that to be true in your life, it's the most incredible, most important decision you can ever make. It will truly change your life for eternity. So we look at that sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us, and he gives us an opportunity to call on him. So as we come and take the bread and the cup, I'm going to ask the the believers to come and and take this bread and juice and and look at your lives and look at what Christ has done for you and and lay down that selfishness. Give that up. Say, hey, I've been selfish. I've been there today. And I don't want to be that way anymore. I want to love the people around me more than I love myself. So I've got to figure out how to stop viewing myself as so important, whether I think I am or I'm not. Help me, Lord. I want to lay this down today and start living for those around me. And if you don't know the Lord, like I said, you can just sit there and think about what we're talking about and ask yourself the question, do I know you, Lord? Do I know you? Go ask somebody else, what does it take? Father God, I just thank you so much for giving us this example, Lord. You would sacrifice for us and that you would come to earth in poverty to be a man. Lord, I just pray that we're moved moved by that, that it's not just something we talk about, something that we act like we get excited about, Lord Jesus, but that we would truly be moved by you, Lord. You know how we're going to struggle with these things, Father, so we call on you, Lord, to help us, to help us through this, Father. So as we come and we take the bread and the bread and the cup, Lord, I just pray that we understand what those symbols mean, Lord Jesus. That you broke your body and you you had blood shed for us, Lord Jesus. And that's not just some symbol that we've looked at for many, many, many Sundays of our life, but it truly impacts us today that we see that sacrifice that was made for us. And for those that don't know you, Lord, I pray that that they'd reach out to you today, Lord Jesus, as you're reaching out to them. And that they'd be able to, to make that decision today that would change the rest of their lives, Father. Help them not to hesitate. So I just thank you again for all you do for us, Lord. There, there are not really any words that I can use to express it uh, like I should. So we just thank you so much for this word that you've given us today, Lord. I pray that we're able to have some fun together, fellowshipping afterwards. But Lord, I pray that this changes us, Lord, and that we're able to go live for others, Lord, and not ourselves. So help change us this morning as we look to you. In your name, amen.